Good evening, everybody. Um, let me talk about four aspects of practice for a few minutes. And uh, tomorrow night I want to talk about spiritual crisis. So some of you, I told you I'd, I'd mention that tonight, but I'm going to talk about spiritual crisis and the spiritual imperative tomorrow night. So the four, four points are, first off, if we look around and we see people, <clears throat> any of us, we know we all are busy doing things. We are doing beings. We get up in the morning and we brush our teeth or comb our hair or get breakfast or get in the car or go to work or we are doing beings. And so that's just an observation. That we will be doing things. We will have goals. We will have intention. There's no, you know, there's no way not to have intention. So it's very important to acknowledge that, especially in traditions that talk about don't have any, uh, don't have desire or other things like that. Because we will have intention. We will do purposeful activity. It's a given. And the next part is <clears throat> each of us has a whole range of experience. Whole range of experience. And it's different for each person. Each person has got a whole range of feelings. So when we're talking about doing, we can be either a superficial person or we can be a person of depth. What's the difference? I think when we are busy just doing, 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 without touching in, without knowing our own heart, without incorporating the life experience that we have lived and informing our doing with that life experience, it becomes very shallow. It becomes very goal-oriented. It becomes, I'll get that. I'll do that. I'll make that happen. As we practice and we begin to know our own heart, we begin to know our own being, we begin to acknowledge the richness of our life, because each person has got a very individual, very unique life. Each person has got experiences that nobody else has. Each person has a depth which only they can plumb. So when we are able to actually be, doing, be engaged in doing by bringing the richness of our own life to that doing, it makes a very different thing than if we are ignoring our own heart for the sake of how it looks for the sake of what we might get, for the sake of, you know, I like that thing. So part of practice is we, we sit, we sit here, we begin to notice the nature of our own mind, we notice the nature of our own heart, and we have to incorporate it, we have to accept it. It has to be, become part of us. Now, part of, what, part of what's in our heart, of course, is there's greed and selfishness. There is ignorance. And of course, we all have got that. It's not, any, it's not anything, there's nobody, you know, nobody who doesn't have that. Nobody who doesn't have anger. Nobody who doesn't have frustration. Nobody who doesn't have the capacity to kill. But we can either hold that in ignorance, or we can hold it in wisdom. 
and holding in wisdom, looking at our life and realizing, I have this enormous capacity for strength, for weakness, for good, for evil, for love, for rejection, for coldness. I have this enormous capacity inside myself. I have this enormous capacity inside myself. How will I choose to express it, to live it? So when we are just doing on a superficial level, doing, 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 I want to get this, I want to get that, I want to get this, and without knowing our own hearts, I think it's a very superficial life. And often we see people who are regarded as very superficial. When we can bring the depth of our being, it creates a much richer meeting. So what does that mean? That means that when we are downstairs talking after this little talk, meeting each other, if we're just putting on a nice smiley face and nobody can see our heart, it's a very superficial contact. We say, eh, what's the point? If, on the other hand, our being, our being, our, because we are present, because we are aware, because we are integrated with our heart, <clears throat> we can meet people whole being to whole being. We have a rich connection. So the other aspect of depth is connection, is interconnection, is interpenetration. I always enjoy when I get to meet people. I uh, went to a 50th anniversary re reunion with the Rochester Zen Center. And there are people back th there who I practiced with for 48 years ago, some of whom I still know. And we had a depth of connection, because we had practiced very intensively in some very difficult circumstances, and we knew each other very, very well, and there was a, a recognition as we met one another. And I think that that provides a kind of depth to relationship, that provides a kind of depth to our social interaction, is a recognition, oh, this person too, this person too has gone through a lot of interesting things. This person, too, has touched the depths of despair. This person, too, has hopes and aspirations. This person, too, knows what love is like. And when, so then depth becomes a recognition. We meet somebody and we can recognize people of depth according to the depth that we have in ourselves, according to the, the depth of understanding that we have about ourselves. We can recognize and resonate with other people at that level. Now there's a third aspect. So the first aspect is we are doing beings. The second aspect is we are unique and deep beings. We are rich, complicated beings. We have unique experiences. We have feelings, we have direction things that we like and don't like. The third aspect, if we look deeply into the nature of mind, we realize that there is a space of emptiness. Not in the emptiness of the sense that there's a big hole somewhere, but at the core, if, we, if I'm asking you right here, right now, who are you? I ask you, who is it that thinks the thoughts that you have right now? And you look inside, think, where are these thoughts being thought? What recognizes that I'm thinking? What knows that I have a body? 
right now. Look, look. And you can't find anything. What is it that remembers? Somehow it comes out of this mysterious process. This mysterious process. Things, things appear. Recognition appears. Words appear. Feelings appear. At our core, we are spacious. At our core, there is space out of which creative things are constantly coming. And it may be creative in the sense of words, it may be creative in the sense of making something, it may be creative in the sense of our connection, it may be creative in the sense of awe at the sky, it may be creative in lots of different ways. So the third part is there is this boundless, bottomless experience, space that each of us has. As we can touch that space, our fixed idea of who we are, I am, you know, I am Hogan, I'm a 67-year-old man, I, you know, do this for a living, I have this for a wife, or that for a wife, or her for a wife, or it, you know, all the things that we have about our, that make of our life. When we begin to touch the depths of our being, when we begin to touch the spaciousness at the core, we realize, oh, all of these things, all of these people, all these situations are simply passing through my life. They're all temporary. They're all temporary. We've all had probably many jobs. We've all had many, many relationships of one sort or another. Had many friends, and the friends, they come, they're close, and somehow they disappear. We've all had many thoughts. The thoughts come and they go. We've all had many songs. We've all had many passionate feelings. They arise, they disappear. They pass through our awareness. We are nothing but awareness itself. So that's the third point, is that we are space. We have a space inside of us. We have, a, we have room to move. We have a creative place. We're not a thing. We're not a zombie. We're not a lump. We're not an android. We're not a fixed thing. That's the third part. Well, the fourth part is, how do we put those things together? How do we put together the fact that we are going to be doing something? Everybody's going to be doing something. We, we, we will be doing something. Secondly, we are people of richness. We have a depth of being. If we're all insightful, if we've all looked into the nature of our own mind, there is a depth of being right there. Three, we're not a fixed thing. There is spaciousness in our mind. There is spaciousness. We have a capacity. <clears throat> Fourth, a third, or excuse me, another aspect of that space is I am not actually located inside, outside, or in between. That I and the world are simply two aspects of the same thing. They co-arise. That my seeing something and its arising are simultaneous. We all live in different worlds. So we put together, I'm going to do something. I have deep feelings about what I'm going to do. I and the world co-arise, and there is spaciousness there. Then we look and see, 
what am I called? What does the world call me to do? And sometimes that calling comes from the inside, saying, I've got to do this. I've got to express that. And sometimes we see the call from the outside. This is what I need. This is what the world needs. And then it comes forth from us. So often, uh, when I'm giving this kind of sequential talk, I suggest that, that making vows, making heart-based vows, making core of your being-based vows for the benefit of your future self and the benefit of the world is important. Making heart-based vow that says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to bring my whole being to it. I'm not just going to bring half my being to it. I'm going to bring my whole being to it, the richness of my being. And I think what we also find when we look down more and more deeply inside of ourselves, that you know, the greed, anger, and ignorance that often run people is not really um, in charge, but that the four immeasurables, loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity, are really at the foundation. So when I'm going to bring my whole being, I'm going to be bringing the depths of my love, the depths of my compassion, the depths of my, my uh, joy at other people's joy, and a broad, equanimous mind looks out at the vicissitudes of the world and the comedy of the world with evenness. I'm going to bring that whole richness and I have creative space. I can bring something in the world which nobody else can bring. Each of you can bring something into the world which nobody else can bring out of the spacious nature of your own mind. So then we make a vow. What can I do? It's important for me to bring. And of course, at different ages in our lives, there are different levels of the things that are important. When people are you know, just getting started in life, they have to kind of fumble around and figure out, what in the world do I do with these things, you know? And they have to get a job, they have to take responsibility. And at each stage of life, there is a, a the old is gone, it passes through, and there's a new challenge to bring our richness of our life forward in some way. So Dharma practice is a practice of ever-increasing genuineness, integrity. Ever-increasing broadness of vision and view. It's not about just a small okay, I'll calm my mind down and be happy. That's, of course, very nice. It definitely happens. Happiness comes and goes. But when we make a vow to have this kind of integrity, we make a vow to offer this unique being their life energy to the world in a way that only we can do, then, whether we're at home mixing cake batter or we're taking care of dogs, or we're out you know, feeding the homeless, or we're out building a construction, or we're out doing whatever it is that we are called and need to do, it becomes an offering. Our life becomes an offering. And that, to me, is a very important and vital aspect of the spiritual life. This life is an offering. And when we make an offering, people benefit from it. 
So as we change and as we become richer and as we richer inside, as we have more integrity, as we, we kind of accept the fullness of our being, as we change, the world changes. As we change, what is drawn out from us changes. As we change and have more integrity, then there is a way of coming forth regardless of whether the world is falling apart or not. There is a mandate to be genuine. There's a mandate that we have from who knows where, from the heavens, to become the rich person that we have the capacity to be. And it doesn't matter who gets elected president. You know? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether we have the great earthquake. It doesn't matter. That same imperative is always there in our hearts. So I encourage you to think clearly about your intention, your intention for practice. Think clearly about what is it that these hands can do, who I can touch, and then bring your whole being to that with com commitment, with patience, and with love. comments? Mr. Alan Whitaker Imrich. So if you, you can all do this, okay? Right here, right now, stop thinking. Just take a deep breath. And as you hold your breath, just stop thinking. And you begin to recognize the, the stillness, the silence that's in there. So do it again. Take a deep breath. Stop the mind and turn your attention to the silence that's at the core. Another experiment. Close your eyes. I've done this with you many times, some of you. Look and see what's behind your eyelids. It's not black. Classic descriptions are it's mottled black and white or black and white and red. Snowflakes, static, movement. It's not the visual field is still present even though your eyes are closed. With your mind's eye, you turn and you look with that same eye inside your body. Frankly, it's made up of the same stuff. Or you can listen to sound. If you listen deeply to sound, beneath the tones, it's the same stuff. The infinite quivering movement of life energy. 
a whole series of practices you can do with that. Another thing you can do to touch this is, okay, everybody can feel their hand, no problem. So you let the hand be completely still. And then feel the inside of the palm. Turn your mind to feel the inside of the palm, the warmth, the tingling, the temperature, whatever temperature it is, the weight, the presence. When you're feeling things from the inside out, and the mind is not moving, they don't have a shape. So take a deep breath, stop your mind, and feel the hand from the inside out. And notice it has no shape until the mind starts counting. If the mind is not moving, then the spacious awareness, the spaciousness of our own being is there. So whether you do it by stopping the mind and looking and seeing, whether you do it by looking at the, the energetic movement through the five senses, or whether you do it by becoming aware of the, the, uh, the experience before the mind is given shape to things, all of that is at the root, at the core. It's not nothing. There still is awareness. It still has several qualities, several things that you can see. You can see that it is boundless. You can see that it's ever-present. You can see that it's tingling with aliveness. You can see that it's self-revealing. You can see it has no beginning. You can see it has no end. All thoughts have a beginning and end, so it has nothing to do with thought. All sensations have a starting and stopping, so it has nothing to do with sensation. It is a fundamental awareness at our core of our being. So part of practice is rec learning to recognize that. And then to express that. Everything comes creatively out of that. That's a zip course in that particular teaching. I think that Well, it belongs totally to you in your life. And yet its expression is so unique and different. But when we see the common denominator of all things, you know, we are all just the same inside. We are all just the same. All things are just the same. All things come from that great source. That's a good question. That's a koan that you can really investigate. It's got a real answer. How could there be a how could there be a me and a him in boundlessness? <laughs> His boundlessness has got to overlap your boundlessness. It's not a matter of understanding what you experience, Kevin. It's not philosophy. It's what you experience. Well, 
All you can experience is your own life. Same, different, not a relevant question. We just love to make distinctions like that, but at, at the level of the non-dual, there's no point. We get to work on that core as well. Anything else? Um, Lachelle Chardet, Yohan, who was a uh, resident at Great Val a number of years ago and is the partner of Kakumyo, who is the head of uh, Dharma Reigns in Center these days, and the, uh, the mastermind behind the Siskiyou property. Uh, Yohan is an expert in communication, nonviolent communication, in uh, Buddhism, a very mature, sophisticated woman who has done both spiritual work and therapy work and communication work, and she's doing a workshop at Great Val. Um, not this week, because Saturday night is the annual dinner, which you're all invited to, free dinner, big feast. Um, but she's doing her workshop the following week at Great Val. And if you're interested in the four immeasurables, loving kindness, sympathetic joy, compassion, and equanimity, if you're interested in those, she's going to be working using those as a foundation for communication, those as a foundation for relationship. And so I invite you to come to that workshop. I especially invite you to come to the annual dinner. If you have books you'd like to exchange, almost any genre, you're welcome to bring them. I think we've got piles downstairs, and we hope that we'll have more, and so there'll be interesting things for you to bring and, bring and take. Bring, bring three, or bring one, take three my motto. Bring one, take three. We have to move them all along. Lots of interesting things. Thank you all very much for being here. Thank you for listening to me for a few minutes.